Good morning, church. It's wonderful to be with you. And yes, just, just as we began, I want you to know, yes, that was our campus minister who said, what do you do with the QR code? Just, just want that out there. Let's just play it. We love you, Brian. Um, by the way, Wesley, who gave our, our financial announcement, he does have a, a sense of humor, by the way. It was before first service, he came up, saw me in a coat, which I don't, often don't wear. My mom bought a new one, so I would wear it from Josh again. Anyway, he said, uh, Dean, just because we didn't let you preach for two weeks doesn't mean you need to interview all over again. <laughs> so, good to be back with you the beginning of a new year. I, I was thinking about this um, thing a guy said recently, just really stuck with me in terms of one of the reasons I love this church so much. If you are just visiting us, if you're new to us this year, uh, or even on this particular day, I want you to know I'm still new enough to be able to honestly say we, we chose to come here too. <laughs> Been here about a year and a half, and and one of the many many reasons for passion about being here in this place. I heard somebody say recently, in, in better words than I can express. So I'm going to borrow it. You'll probably hear me say this a lot, but but I love the way he said this. We look around. We got a lot of people here. We had the capacity for a lot of people here. But he said, you don't measure a church by its seating capacity you measure it by its sending capacity. Well, that's a great vision, isn't it? You don't, you don't measure a church by how many people are sitting in here in an assembly. You measure a church and, and the power of God working through that church in the sense of it being sent. I want you to know when you're coming in here uh, to worship our God, you walk out of this place sent. And that's not just when you go on a mission trip, short term or long term. That's not just when you go off in vocations or whatever the case may be. We are sent into the purpose of God in this place. And we're not perfect, we're broken here, and we're being redeemed by the one who is perfect, but we're sent by him too with the power of God's purpose. So thank you for being at a place where we say we want to be about the purposes of God through the power of God in the world. Uh, we're thinking about the, the beginning of a new semester and a new year, and I thought it's good for us to kind of start again by just taking a fresh look at Jesus. And that's what we're going to do. We're calling this Come and See. And just for three weeks, we're going to hear actual invitations of Jesus. What is it that he invites us into? What is it that he's calling us to as he's sending us out with that purpose uh, in the world? And, and then after that, after the, uh, the weekend we have with David Fraze, then we're going to spend the rest of the semester uh, looking at the power that he sends us with, and we're going to do a study on the Holy Spirit uh, through the book of John. So I'm excited about just really leaning into Jesus, his vision, and his power for this semester. If you have your Bibles, your devices, we're going to read the first of, of these three invitations from three different Gospels, hearing from Jesus what he offers us. We're in John chapter 1, and we're going to read from uh, verse 35 uh, through 51. We're really focused on the, on the, mostly on the first part of this section. And, and I thought I was going to do, uh, I'd like to do something, kind of an experiment here. I've done previous churches I've been part of for a long time, uh, and I thought I'd try something out here. Um, and, and when I come to a new place, by the way, I didn't just start doing this because, you know, they say when you come, you, you come to somebody's house, you don't start rearranging the furniture. Okay, so I didn't want to come and just like throw something because it was personal to me. And then I went to, to break away this week, and I realized they do this too every week. I'm like, well, you guys do it, so we're going to do it. So here's the thought. I, I went to a, um, a, a seminar one time, and a guy talked about worship renewal. I thought it was pretty cool talking about renewal and worship, but to do that, he used 
a 1900-year-old document. It was, it was a document written about how the church worshipped just right after the apostles died. And one of the things he said pointed out, you know, there's been a practice that the church has largely done for 2,000 years in a lot of places, not everywhere. But he pointed this out. And he said it's a simple thing, but sometimes the simple things we do can shape us. And he said, what, if you look back throughout church history, uh, it was a practice of the church to stand for the reading of the Word of God. And I, when I heard that, I loved that. I thought it was cool. And again, they do a breakaway. And I thought, oh, we're going to do this. And so here's a thought. I, I want to do this because he pointed it out. He said, why is it that often, and it's not a judgment, he said, why is it often we stand when we're talking? We stand when we sing. We have things to say. So we're going to make this a practice. We're going to try this for a little while. That's okay. Maybe forever. I don't know, for, for a while. And, and so we're going to stand in, in just a second. If you put the next slide up, here's the other th little touch that I'm going to do that I'm stealing from church history. Uh, you hear me say this every time. I, I always like to acknowledge because everything I say after this reading is me uh, reflecting on Scripture. But I always want you to hear the Word of God first, and that's God, right? And there's this simple practice where we quote Scripture. There's a bunch of them. 1 Corinthians 15, Romans 7 is a great example. Uh, you know, who's going to save me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Christ Jesus our Lord. And I think it's a cool practice. If we imagine every week we're going to stand out of respect for God's Word as we hear it, and then we're grateful to Him every week. We just say thanks. Like, I don't want to take for granted that we have a God who reveals God's self to us. Isn't that cool? He doesn't hide the ball. He's going to reveal himself to us. I think that's kind of cool. So that'll be a little practice. I think it'll shape us over time. Is that okay? Is that fair? All right, so would you please stand out of respect for God as we read God's Word. This is going to be the gospel of the Lord Jesus from John chapter 1, starting verse 35. The next day, John was there again with two of his disciples. And when he saw Jesus passing by, he said, look the Lamb of God. And when the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, what do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come and you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying and they spent that day with him. It was about four in the afternoon. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who had heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we found the Messiah, that's the Christ. He brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, you're Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which when translated is Peter, a rock. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said, follow me. And Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. And Philip found Nathanael and told him, we found the one that Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, son of Joseph. Nazareth? Can anything good come from there? Nathaniel asked. Come and see, said Philip. When Jesus saw him, he said of him, in whom there is no deceit. How can you know me, Nathaniel asked. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. And Nathaniel declared, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Jesus said, you believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree. You will see greater things than that. And then he added, very truly I tell you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Will you pray with me? Father God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Thinking at the beginning of a new ministry year, it's helpful for us to remember that sometimes to get a fresh start, it's really helpful to just pay attention to what's already around you. 
Sometimes the best way to get a fresh start is to take a fresh look at what's already there in your life, what's already there in front of you, all around you. It was Easter a year ago. Our older son, David, uh, contacted us on that Easter experience. We're sitting down at lunch, and we're just doing normal stuff. We're just eating lunch. We're just kind of experience. We're sitting down at lunch, and we're just doing normal stuff. We're just eating lunch. We're just kind of going through our, our afternoon. And all of a sudden, he told his girlfriend, he said, can you kind of slide over a little bit? I'm going to pretend to take a picture of you, but I'm not taking a picture of you because this was the face he noticed behind his table. I know it's hard to see that, but can anybody tell who that guy is sitting at that table? Yes, that's Michael Jordan, who's sitting at the table right behind my son. Greatest basketball, arguably the greatest basketball player ever lived. Second, maybe, I don't who knows. But he was there, sitting at the table right behind my son. So they go from just like everyday banter, talking, all, all of a sudden Jordan's back there. And I love it. He's moving his girlfriend over to take a picture of MJ. He's just cracking me up. And the whole tone of the conversation changed where they paid attention to who was sitting in the room. Now, this is a silly example, but it's a great practice. I want to invite you, pay attention. Pay attention to the people that God has put in your life. Pay attention to those that are closest to you. Thinking a lot this week, of course, the last week, my, my wife got back in the classroom full-time. She's a teacher. She's so brilliant at that. I remember a couple years ago, I just, just taking it in, just her giftedness. She, was, she teaches elementary school, and she was uh, doing a, a, a little unit in, in uh, school for elementary students on typing. I, can you imagine anything more boring other than budget announcements? Just kidding, just kidding. <laughs> She's teaching typing to elementary school students, and, and I'm thinking, oh, that's horrible. And then I remember her talking about it, and she researched, like, how they put, like, why the letters are, the QWERTY keyboard, and all that kind of stuff, and she held these backgrounds and told these stories and had these images. She made typing exciting. And I remember sitting there thinking, this woman is in my life. She is so creative. She's so gifted. And she set up her room this first year, and she hates me talking about her, so I'll do this fast. But, like, she, she bought a little mouse hole to put in the in the room, like it's a pretend little thing so that the kids would see it, and of course they did, and they're all excited. I'm just, I love the creativity of this woman that's in my life. It was just a couple days ago, I, we got up in the morning, and I, and I walk out, she's sitting on the couch, and she hadn't put her makeup on, hadn't done anything with her hair. She's beautiful to me. Have you ever had those moments where God's put people in your life, and you just, just for a moment, you're just kind of running around, but all of a sudden you just pay attention to who's right there. Sometimes you can get a fresh start. When you just paid attention to who's right in front of your face. Had that experience with church just a few weeks ago. Uh, Curtis was leading us in a song when we had this Wednesday night fellowship and we're all kind of packed in uh, the hallway and everybody's singing and I'm, I'm looking over there and, and I'll confess, like I'm a total guy sometimes on some of these things and, and Curtis did the, this little light of mine and I'm just telling you, I'm not a hand signals guy. Like, I do it at a game. This is terrible. I could do it at a game or whatever, but when we're singing a little hand, I, I, I'm just kind of frozen a little bit. And I, I confess, I was looking at some of you guys. I was looking around the room, and there was, there was a lot of guys over this. I was feeling good because there's some manly men. They had hands in their pockets, all that kind of stuff. And then I, I scanned in the room, and right behind Curtis's leading worship was one of our elders. And his face was lit up, and he was blowing out his candle, and he was leaning down with the children that are around him. And I was thinking, I love this church. 
I appreciate this church that we're surrounded with that just loves across generations and pulls them in and even will act goofy in order to pull somebody else into the story. You ever feel like, man, we just need a fresh start by paying attention to what's already right in front of your face. And I thought as we're beginning a new ministry year, why, why not do that with Jesus? Not just with our friendships, not just with our church family, but with our faith. Can we take a fresh look at Jesus? And I want to do this series we call Come and See because I want to pay attention to these invitations that Jesus has. I call them invitations for a lifetime because Jesus is inviting us to experience the fullness of God's life. And I just want to uh, one more time say, we, we know about Jesus, we heard about Jesus, but can we just pay attention to the one who is here among us and let him speak to us all over again? Why is that so important? Here's the thing, I'm convinced there are all sorts of people, and maybe some of them are right here in this room because I've been there before. There are all sorts of people who are responding, now listen carefully to me, not to Jesus, but to what they think Jesus is all about. Not, they're not responding to really who Jesus is. They're responding to what they've heard about Jesus from pastors or preachers or teachers or other Christians, and they're not responding to Jesus at all. They're responding to what they think Jesus is all about. I had a conversation not long ago with a friend of mine who lives in another state. We called to catch up. And he said, Dean, I'm going to be honest with you. I, I feel like I'm getting ready to just kind of toss the whole Christian thing. I'm just going to give up on the Christian faith. And the more we talked, I listened to the things that he was struggling with. And you know, every single thing he said are things that Jesus hates too. And I said something to him that I found that I've had to say a lot of times to a lot of people. I said, hey, before you do that, it's... Yeah, you have freedom, man. I'm not going to beat you over the head, but you have freedom. But here's the thing. Before you give up on Jesus, can you make sure it's Jesus you're giving up on? And not the garbage that we've loaded on his back in his name? That's why I just want to let Jesus speak for himself. And over the course of three weeks, just get a touch. I mean, it's not all of it. Just three invitations in Jesus' words. This is what I'm really offering. This is what it's really all about. So we come to the story in the book of John, and really it's... It's the opening of the new ministry year in the book of John and in Jesus' ministry life. And what I love that Jesus does right off the bat when these people come to him, I call it what he does is he defines the quest. Part of what we're going to do is we're going to pay attention to three statements. We're going to, you know, not look at everything in this large passage. I want to pay attention to two or three statements here. Two of them are questions. You notice the question Jesus starts with. This is a masterful question, not just for them at the beginning of his ministry, but for all of us at the beginning of a new ministry. When you come here, what is it? Interesting, from the very beginning, notice the words of looking and attention that are all over the text. Literally, what this line is not what do you want. It literally says, what are you seeking? What are you looking for? Even before you get to that line, John has already tipped us off that this is all about vision and attention and sight because he says, you got to use the old King James word for this, John, who has been kind of leading his group of disciples, he sees Jesus and he says, behold, it says look in the NIV, but oh, you got to get this, behold, pay attention, look. I love it. John has been the girlfriend for a while. He's been hanging out with them. John moves out of the way, and he said, look at that guy. He is the one that God came to change everything. Pay attention to the one who is here. And so they do. In a very important language, it says they started following Jesus before they even knew what that meant. And they go up to Jesus, and I love it. It's so beautiful. Jesus looks at him and says, what do you want? Now, he's not being mean. 
Jesus is wise enough to know that back then and today, people come to Jesus for all sorts of reasons, with all sorts of motives, wanting all sorts of things. What do you want? By the way, it's not the last time he will ask that question in this book. He asks it all the time in one form or another. What do you want? What are you seeking? What are you looking for? In just a couple of chapters from now, Jesus will encounter a man. Brian showed an image of this from The Chosen a couple of weeks ago. He'll encounter a man who has been paralyzed for 38 years, and Jesus asks him an insanely crazy question. He says what? What do you want? More specifically, do you want to get well? That sounds crazy to someone who's sitting in a place known for its healing powers, and he's been unable to walk for 38 years. What do you want? What is Jesus saying? He's saying, do you really want to grow and to change? That's an important question, not just to ask him, but to ask me when I come and gather at the beginning of a new ministry year, what do I want from you, Jesus? Because often I'll say, I do want healing, and I want a new life, and I want to change direction of my life, but do I really want to change? Do I really want to grow? That's an important question to ask, isn't it? Fast forward to chapter 18, right? Jesus uh, comes and encounters um, Judas and uh, a band of people that are coming to arrest him. Guess what he asked? What do you want? More specifically, he says, who are you seeking here? Understand, this is one of his followers and then a group of religious leaders, listen to me, this is so important, who thought they knew what God was all about. They thought they knew God's purposes and plans. And Jesus wasn't fitting into their box. Jesus wasn't fitting into their past religious experience. Jesus wasn't fitting. So instead of letting Jesus change their perspective, they were going to put Jesus in a prison in a box and a kill him. The problem is he didn't stay dead. <laughs> but it's an important question to ask, isn't it? At the beginning of a ministry year, what do you want? Do all you want is to come to a church that will confirm everything you've always believed about God? I don't know about you, but I learned this years ago as a friend of mine that asked me this. In your practice of spirituality, if you continue to only confirm what you've already believed your whole life, it's very possible you might not be listening to Jesus, but yourself. I'm not talking about throwing everything out. I'm just saying, if I'm following a resurrected Christ who is alive, he is still free to surprise me and to change me to expand my vision of God's world. And if all I ever do in the practice of my spirituality and faith is check off the boxes of what I already believe, I probably am not listening to Jesus because he rattled some cages from time to time. What do you want? The beginning of a new year. The book almost ends with this too. There's a resurrection appearance and Jesus is raised from the dead and he encounters a woman named Mary who's going, listen to me, looking for a dead body. She's looking to pay homage and honor the dead body of Jesus and she encounters the resurrected body of Jesus, doesn't know who he is and guess what he asks? What do you want? Who are you seeking? In other words, are you open to the reality that the one we worship raises the dead? Are you open to the fact that he changes worlds? But if we already have God figured out and that he does these things and he doesn't do these things, what are you looking for? 
when you come to see Jesus. Because when he asked this question, what I love about Jesus, he asked this question because he's basically saying, are you open to everything I want to give you? He tells us in chapter 10 what he wants to do. John 10, 10. He said, I came that you might have life and have it to its fullest. I came to give you life abundantly. Do you really want that? Now, I don't know about you, but if you're honest, sometimes, like me, I have to say, the answer for religious folks is often no. I kind of want a few things that I want to put on the list, but I don't want everything you have to offer. I love the way C.S. Lewis does this when he writes a book called Mere Christianity. He has a little section in there where he says, coming to Jesus is kind of like coming to a really good physician. Uh, Probably not his image. Coming to a really good physician. Look, if you go to a doctor, this really good doctor, I have a great one here. His name's Wade Richardson. I remember the first time I ever went to Dr. Wade here. Some of you were here when I first came. I was having blood pressure issues. I was a mess. I came in. I'm like, I'm ready to talk about my heart. Let's go. And he's talking about my family. He's talking about our life and our trends, all that kind of stuff. And it hit me. Hold on. Hold on. He's not just interested in my heart. What? He's interested in my whole life. And that's what C.S. Lewis said. If you go to a doctor, you'll say, man, I got back pain or I got something here. But the annoying thing about doctors is they care about all of you. (laughs) So you might come for one thing, but they're going to fix other stuff. (laughs) And he said, it's like that with Jesus. I'm going to come with Jesus because I got an anger problem or I got a lust problem or I got a pride problem. Jesus says, great, I'm happy to fix that. But I'm going to work on some other stuff too. Now, don't hear that as a burden. He came to give us life. And Jesus said, I want to find anything in your world that's an obstacle to the fullness of life and let me remove it and let me lead you into the fullness of life. Isn't that amazing? Now, here's the thing. If I'm honest, sometimes I don't want Jesus to have all of me. I just want to put them on, like I said last week, like a backpack and then take them off when I'm ready to take off. Jesus says, I didn't offer that. What do you want when you come to Jesus? Then this is what I love. So that's his question. And then the disciples respond with a question of their own. And in honor of football season, I had to use this image, right? They go long with their answer, right? They go long with their answer. They go big with their answer. They aim incredibly high with their answer. Just pay attention. This is amazing. Jesus says, what is it that you want from me? And they don't quite answer the question. Did you notice this? What do you want from me? And Jesus, the disciples say, where are you staying? Here's, in case this doesn't hit you as a strange answer, go try this at Walmart this week. Go try this at Chick-fil-A. Can't do it today because it's Sunday, but go try this this week. Go to Chick-fil-A. How may I serve you? Well, uh, where are you living? By the way, get you in trouble. Yeah, my pastor told me to go. No, no, don't do that. It's strange, isn't it? What do you want? Where are you staying? What are they saying with that question? It's brilliant. They're saying, Jesus, what I want from you, I can't get in a drive-by conversation. What I want from you, I can't get in a two-minute kind of quick conversation back and forth. By the way, some people wanted that. This is not the only time when somebody comes up to Jesus, and some of them are fine. They want a theological question answered. Go look at Luke 19 sometime. We call him the rich young ruler. Not a bad man. He's a tremendously good religious man but he comes up to Jesus and he wants an answer to theological question what must I do already a bad question what must I do to inherit eternal life terrible question by the way what do you do to inherit anything somebody else dies right subject of another sermon but what what I do And, and Jesus engages this man and this man walks away sad why because Jesus said it's not about your theological question there are two words that he said there he also says here get rid of your junk that gets in the way and follow me Some people just came for the question. 
We have a better turnout a couple chapters from now, but it starts similarly. A woman we know as the Samaritan woman. Jesus encounters her, and at the beginning of the story, go read it closely, she's rude to Jesus. She's cynical with Jesus. She doesn't want to have anything to do with this. And then Jesus gets to her heart. And then one more little defensive move, perhaps, that she does. She throws out a theological question. How do you worship? What's the right way to worship? Is it on that mountain or that mountain? So glad we don't ask questions like that anymore. (laughs) What's the right way to worship? Are we going to fight about all that stuff? She comes with a theological question, but she stays long enough and engages it long excuse me, long enough, she sees who he is. What I love about these disciples, they're not asking for a quick fix. They're telling, they're saying, where are you staying? Because we want to go there, right? By the way, this word staying is a really important word in the book of John. It's translated other ways elsewhere in the book. If you ever read through the book of John, don't feel bad if you have, if you ever have, it might pop a different way. Where are you staying can also be translated where are you remaining or classically where are you abiding. John chapter 15, Jesus uses this beautiful image where he says, I'm the vine and you are the branches. And if you abide, remain, stay in me, I will stay in you. And listen to this promise. You're fruitful, purposeful, powerful life. Do you want to walk out of here sent? Do you want to have a sense of purpose and power in your life? Jesus says, abide with me. They're asking the disciple-making question. Jesus, we don't want to sign up for a course. We want to sign up for your life. Where are you staying? What a beautiful question. One other way to put it. You know what they're saying? I don't just want your stuff. I want you. I want all of you with my life. They give themselves in this kind of discipleship moment. I love this. Where are you staying? Where are you abiding, Jesus? By the way, it's customary in their day to ask this kind of question as a statement of commitment. And what what they're saying is, we are giving ourselves as a practice of a way of life. And Jesus responds to that with the invitation I really want us to hear and think about today. What is his invitation? He says, come and see. Isn't this marvelous? By the way, please hear this. Please hear this. You know what Jesus didn't say? Sorry, I know your past. You know what Jesus didn't say? He didn't say, sorry, I know what you're going through now. He didn't say, I know what you're going to do in the future. He said, you want to come and hang out with me? Come and see. He invites them into dynamic, powerful relationship. Why? Because Jesus knows, listen, if you saturate your life with the life of Jesus Christ, what will over time come out of your life is more like his and less like mine. It doesn't mean we lose our identity. We become who we were created to be, our personality, our circumstances, our giftedness. But we're playing out the life that we were created to live. Isn't that powerful? Jesus says, if you can just come in and walk with me and abide with me. By the way, that's why we're going to follow this series with a series on the Holy Spirit. His teaser for that one, he will give us the most powerful tool of abiding that anybody has ever known. Subject for a later time. Jesus says, if you just get into my life, it will, over time, come out of your life too. Can I give you an image of this from my world and you be patient with me and not totally judge it too badly? Can I give this to you? Well, I don't know until you do it. All right, so I love music. I'm not good at it. I enjoy playing guitar. I'm terrible at that, but I enjoy playing. So there's an image from my world. When I first started, my hero was this guy. His name is Edward Van Halen, Eddie Van Halen. I know, I love classic rock back in the day. Please be patient with me. But this is the guy I love. 
I love the way he played. He, he literally reinvented the way they play guitar. He started as a keyboardist, and so he actually would finger tap. Now everybody does it, but he's the one that kind of invented playing a guitar like you do a piano. It's just amazing. And I remember reading Guitar Magazine one time, and they asked him, you are already a legend, a master of guitar. How did you learn how to do this? It was so amazing to me. I still remember this years later. Put up the next one. He referred to this guy, a guy named Eric Clapton. Maybe you heard of this guy before. But he said, I got all the old vinyl from Eric Clapton. And he said, I played it and I played it. And listen, this is the part that stuck with me. He said, I learned all of his songs and I played it. Are you ready for this? Note for note. Every one of the songs that he'd ever played, and Eddie got together on his guitar, and he played it note for note until it got inside of him. Now, if you hear their music, they do not sound the same. And he's got his own style, his personality. But he mimicked the master so long that it came out of his core and his being. That's what it means to follow Jesus. That's what this disciple-making thing is. When we talk about find hope and live with purpose, the purpose of making disciples who make disciples. I want to so get into the rhythm of the life of Jesus, abide where he abides, that it will come out in my circumstance, my place over time. Now that's enough to say that, but you know, three weeks ago, my wife called me in and the Today Show, of all things, were playing a band, and it was new to me, called Mammoth. And what's interesting about this, they got the whole band that's performing and they tour together or whatever, and they put out two albums by the way, quick disclaimer, I wouldn't listen to every song on the album, okay, uh, or both of them, but there, there's some really good music, especially was touched by one that, that he wrote um, in, in honor of his father who had died and, and kind of grieving that loss, and that's been my experience too, it's really powerful. But what's interesting to me, I found out, is that even though the band tours, he plays every instrument on both their albums. He plays the drums, he plays the bass, he plays the electric guitar, he is incredible at it. There's the thing, I knew a little bit of the background of this, so I would know the answer to this question, but if you went, his name is Wolf, by the way. <laughs> his parents were classical music fans, and so they named him after Amadeus, uh, Wolfgang Amadeus, Amadeus Mozart. So, you know, be careful what your parents like when you're born. But he, <laughs> if you asked him how he got good at what he was doing. Next slide. Because his last name is Van Halen. And from when he was a little kid, there's videos of him when he wrote that song in honor of his father who's died of cancer. They show, they show him as a little kid grabbing his dad's guitar. When he was six years old, it was the first time he ever performed on stage with his father and his family's band on the drums. There, he was 15 years old. He joined the band as the bassist. How did he get good and be able to do these albums and do all of his own instrument? Because he abode... He remained, he stayed with the master. And it goes back generations. Why are we st when Peter and all them followed Jesus? Because Jesus poured his life into these few who poured their life into a few others. And now we're still playing the music. We are not here to take up space in church. We are here to take into the music of the Spirit of God and to pass that on in the lives of other people so that everybody in their way, in their personality, plays the tune that God put us on the planet to play. Isn't that glorious? Jesus says, come and you will see this. Very quickly, on the end, the promise that he gives. What, what happens to those who go all in, who go big and go long and say, we just want to abide and be all in with you, Jesus. The incredible thing that you see and that you experience. Jesus says these words, right? He says, you will see greater things than these. In other words, he says, new worlds, entirely new worlds will open up. 
right? He was trying to get that across to Mary. The resurrection of, of, of Jesus makes it possible to see new worlds. Very quickly, there's this weird story of him encountering Nathaniel. We can't go into all of it, but he says you're going to see angels ascending and descending. He's referring to Genesis chapter 20. Go read that story sometime. But what's amazing is Jacob lays down on a rock and sleeps in the dirt in the middle of nowhere, and he wakes up in the morning and calls the place Bethel, the house of God, because he said, God was here and I didn't know it. And he sees heaven and earth touch like a thin place between heaven and earth. And Jesus says that's happening now, but it's not a dirt patch out in the middle of nowhere. It's a person. Hope is a person. The gateway to heaven is a person. And Jesus says, you're going to see phenomenal things because I am opening up the intersection between God's world and our world, and you're going to see astounding things. Your life will be transformed, and the community around you will be transformed when we abide in Jesus. It started then. Did you notice it, by the way? He looks at Peter. Peter! The guy's always shooting off his mouth. The guy that runs away. The guy denies and cusses uh, 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 you know, uh, people to their face that he doesn't know Jesus. This guy, Jesus calls rock. He will call you what you're going to be before you're ready to be it because if you abide in him, he will get you there. Isn't that awesome? He's going to transform the whole world and he'll start with you. Entire worlds are changed when we actually go all in and say, I want to follow Jesus. I don't want to just do church. I don't know about you. I'm done just doing church. And I'm terrible. I'm a mess. Hear me. But I want to be a, a disciple that's making disciples. I want to learn day in and day out to be in the presence of Jesus in a way that I'm different. But I end with this. It's a different person who had a similar experience, but in even some more drastic ways than the guy I talked about at the beginning. But a friend of mine a few years ago came up to me at a time where he had, he's pretty much given up on his faith, didn't really even know what to believe, He'd lost his family, he was alone, and he was empty. And he came up to me one time and he said, you know, I, I kind of believe in this God thing. I said, he said, I don't get this Jesus guy, and I'm broken, man. My wife is gone, I don't have a family, I don't, have, I don't know what's going on. And, and I don't know what to do in moments like that, so I just do what I, what, what I often will do is say, hey, can we take a fresh look at Jesus? I'm not church, I can do a canned Bible study, just grab a gospel or two, let's just kind of it's kind of just encounter Jesus. And it wasn't instant, it wasn't immediate, but over the course of time, a lot of times in coffee shops, a lot of times just hanging out, I watched this guy first get intrigued. It's like Samaritan woman's kind of annoyed. And there's a moment where Jesus just captured him. I, I remember the day when he just came in just to talk about it. He captured him. I got the honor, the absolute honor to baptize this guy, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit in a relationship with his God. But I'll never forget what he did next. He said, you know, I just at least want to tell my, my ex-wife this. And so he, he wrote an email just to share. And he said, I'm so sorry. The brokenness of my past and all that kind of stuff. But I just want to tell you, I gave my life to Jesus. I was baptized. He printed out the email and he showed it to me. She wrote him back. She said, I've been praying for this for years. I got to watch this. They got remarried renewed their vows, and they have kids now today. And that story and that whole family has been transformed because the guy said, forget all the religious junk. I just want to see Jesus. And in fact, that, that can happen in one guy's family. What can happen in a spiritual community like this where people come in and say, I don't want to just play church. I want to see Jesus. What world might he transform for you and me and through us? The power of the resurrection of Jesus if we just come and see what he has to offer. 
Father God, that's our prayer. We just want to be in your presence. And, and we confess to you that sometimes we don't. Sometimes we want to run. Sometimes we want the quick religious answer. Thank you for abiding with us long before we knew how to abide with you. Thank you for sticking with us and staying with us and persisting in your faithfulness to us so that we might be faithful to you. And God, I pray that you are so present in this spiritual community, that you are transforming us as we're trying to follow your son by the power of your spirit in such a way that it spills out and that you play your music to the world around with the presence of your son, Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Please stand.